reading from Ruth chapter 2. Now a few weeks ago we, uh, we, we looked at Ruth chapter 1 and, and what we found in Ruth chapter 1 was the account of Naomi and her family. And what hits us about what happened in chapter 1 is the tale of tragedy that unfolds. It's one blow after another after another. And this happens over a period of about 10 years. We see that a famine comes upon Judah and it is so harsh that Naomi and her family choose to uproot and they move into a pagan nation, the nation of Moab. Once there, Naomi's husband dies. And after this, her sons take Moabite women as their wives. And then again, later in time, the two sons also die. And Naomi and her two daughters-in-law are left in a very desperate situation. Along with their grief and their heartache, they were destitute and they were unable to support themselves. Things had turned out so bad that when Naomi did return to Bethlehem, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi meant pleasant or sweet. Call me Mara. And Mara meant bitter. The Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? And we learned a couple of things from chapter 1. Um, and what we saw was we learnt from what, um, how Naomi reacted in this situation. While Naomi recognised that God was sovereign in her situation, she didn't see the signs of hope that were there. The famine in Judah had lifted and she arrived in Bethlehem at the time of the start of the barley harvest. She forgot that God does provide no matter how hard the road to that provision is and that his purposes are for good. As we come to Ruth chapter 2, we'll see that Naomi will have a light bulb moment when she realises the truth, that this truth has become a reality. God does provide and his purposes are for good. Now as we know, the book of Ruth is of course centred on uh, Ruth herself, which is uh, Naomi's daughter-in-law. And the main story that we encounter is that of Ruth and Boaz. And this is essentially, it's it's a love story. However, as we know, it's a bit deeper than that. It's a bit more than just two people from different sides of the tracks finding each other and living happily ever after. As I mentioned a few weeks back, Ruth and Boaz are the grandparents of King David who was the greatest king of Israel. And King David is a shadow of the greatest king of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. So they play an important part in the history of Israel. And what was so remarkable about what happened in chapter 1 is that even though it was a hopeless situation, God provided for Ruth and for Naomi and he provided for them on a personal scale. And then we see as we work our way through the book of Ruth that this leads on to God's provision and grace for Israel as a nation. And then in the fullness of time, 
God's grace and provision comes for all his people. But that's not the only thing about the book of Ruth. There are also the parallels between uh, Ruth's and Boaz's story and the work of God. God is seeking a bride and God is reaping a harvest. And this will unfold fully as we move through the book of Ruth. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here and this morning we are at the beginning of chapter 2. So what do we know so far? What do we know about Ruth? Well, Ruth has been loyal to her mother-in-law Naomi, so much so that she has left everything that she has known to be with Naomi and to support her. And one of the key verses in the entire book of Ruth is chapter 1 verse 16. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth left her family, she left her culture and her gods behind to live among the Israelites and to make the one true living God her God. And as we read through chapter 2 this morning, we're going to learn a little bit more about Ruth and we're going to learn a little bit more about her character and from that we will learn also of about how she has come to be under the wings of God's refuge. Now a key moment to look out for as we read through this passage this morning is the initial discussion between Ruth and Boaz and we come across that in verses 10 and 12. And we will come to focus on the answer that Boaz gives to a question that Ruth asks and she asks this question in in verse 10. What have I done to deserve such kindness? So let's pray and then we will read through Ruth 2. Lord, we just thank you that, Lord, we have available to us this morning your word. And, Lord, we just thank you that your word is always available to us and, Lord, that we can come to know you through your word. Lord, we just pray as we, as we come and we read this passage of Ruth 2. Lord, may your spirit just quicken things to our hearts, uh, to our minds. And Lord, we pray that you speak through the words that are here to us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Ruth chapter 2. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz who was a relative of Naomi's husband Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, alright my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Eli Malek. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. 
She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any of the other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked them warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, Let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day and when she beat out that grain that evening it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He has shown his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young woman right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you will be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the woman in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. In chapter 1 we met Naomi and Ruth and their story is developed here in chapter 2. Now at the beginning of chapter 2 we meet Boaz 
And he in himself is another sign of God's provision for Naomi and Ruth. He is a close relative of Naomi's and Ruth's husband. No, sorry, he is a close relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. And Naomi also identifies him as one of the family redeemers. And we'll probably focus on what that means uh, more when we come to chapters 3 and 4. So Ruth's prospects of remarrying might not have been as bleak as Naomi had made out on the way back to Bethlehem. Under God's law, when a widow has no son, a brother of her deceased husband can choose to marry her so that her original husband's name can continue. And this is achieved through the first child of the second marriage. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 25. So Boaz Wally was not a brother of, um, of uh, Ruth's dead husband. He is a close relative. And so not only was he able to marry Ruth, but as we will see in chapter 3, he can also purchase back the land that Naomi had previously sold. And that's that family redeemer part of it. And we'll also later discover in Ruth chapter 3 that there is actually even a closer relative who can perform these duties. Now, I don't think Naomi intentionally lied to Ruth about her marriage prospects in Israel. I think there was another couple of possibilities of what happened there. I think that she was either so overwhelmed with her situation that she forgot about Boaz, or that she didn't really perceive the possibility of things playing out as they have done in chapter 2. And as they will continue to do throughout the rest of the book. Also, Boaz was not under any obligation to marry Ruth. And, of course, Naomi's been away for ten years. Chances are Boaz might have got married during that time. But as it turned out, he didn't. Now, the next thing that we learn about Boaz is that he is a wealthy and influential man. So he obviously owns quite a bit of land and he he is so wealthy that he can hire people to harvest his fields. Not only that, we also get a glimpse of his godliness in verse 4 when he greets his workers. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. And this exchange between Boaz and his workers demonstrates how God is a natural part of Boaz's everyday life. And you just get that sense about him as you read about his general conduct with his workers and more specifically uh, with his conversation with Ruth. Boaz is clearly a man who lives out his life with a heart after God. Now, if we compare Boaz to Elimelech in chapter 1, we see that the choices that Elimelech um, made in chapter 1, they sort of demonstrate that he was more of a man who lived by sight rather than by faith. But not so with Boaz. He was a godly man. Now, I, um, it was quite funny this week, a little bit earlier I read what was a pretty bad dad-type joke about Boaz. In fact, it's so bad that even I groaned. Apparently, before marriage... Boaz was quite ruthless. I told you it was pretty bad. 
Well, from what we've read this morning, that is completely untrue. It appears that Boaz was indeed a godly, he was a kind man and he was a generous man. And he was those things even before Ruth came on the scene. So let's turn our eyes to Ruth. And we learn more about her character and her conduct in the, in the passage that we read this morning. Now we're already aware of her faith towards God and of her loyalty and faithfulness towards her mother-in-law. Now in today's society we tend to joke about having a um, cautious approach to our mother, mother-in-laws or a um, sort of a strained relationship. But there's none of that apparent here. Ruth loves Naomi and is fully committed to her. Now, as we have read through chapter 2 today, Ruth demonstrates more godly characteristics and these characteristics should serve as examples to us. So there's three things that we see in this morning's scripture. First of all, Ruth wants to provide for Naomi. Now, we already know that Ruth cares for Naomi, but what we see here is she's putting that into practice, that care. She demonstrates a willingness to go and work so that she can provide for Naomi. She didn't just turn up in Bethlehem and expect Naomi or Naomi's friends or other people to support them both. She was willing to pull her weight. It was Ruth's idea to go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain which were left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let her do so. Now, this practice was catered for under God's law to allow the poor to be provided for. And there's another reference there in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, that talks about this. However, there was still work involved. You had to gather the stalks of grain yourself. It wasn't gathered up for you and dropped off at your doorstep. So we see that Ruth cared for Naomi and was willing to work to provide for her. So off she goes, and as it happened, she ended up gathering grain behind the harvesters in a field owned by Boaz. And this is again, it's, we've, we've seen this right through chapter 1, we're going to see it here again in chapter 2. This is again God at work leading Ruth to Boaz's field. She could have gone to any field in the area and ended up there but she went directly to Boaz's. And what do we find there? We find that Ruth proves to be quite a hard worker. And what what we've read this morning is a snapshot of her first day of gathering grain. But no doubt this work ethic continued throughout the remainder of the barley harvest and then through the wheat harvest. Now when Boaz visits the field, The foreman explains that Ruth has been hard at work since the morning, only taking a few moments rest. And we see in verse 17 that she continued to work all day and then in the evening she beat out the grain. She had gathered a whole basket full of grain and that apparently equates to about 22 litres and I read in one version of, of the Bible that it was about 10 kilograms. So it seems like it was a fair amount. And the surprise that Naomi shows when Ruth returns home also demonstrates 
that she had gathered more than what was expected. Of course she was able to gather so much in part because of Boaz's uh, generosity but she still had to gather it all herself. She still had to do the hard yards. I know that when the company that I'm working for is looking to hire a new employee, high up on the list of what they are looking for is someone who is willing to do those hard yards, who is willing to put in a full eight hours of work five days a week. And of course being teachable would rank right up there as well. No doubt these are qualities that all employers would seek when they're looking for somebody to come and work for them. And as Christians, we should all be conscientious in our approach to our work life. But not only for our work life, but also in our service to God and for that matter anything else that we commit to. When we consider all that God has done for us, and the grace that he has shown us, we should give our all to whatever we undertake, whether it's employment, whether it's serving others, or whether it's serving God. And quite often those things sort of overlap each other as well, don't they? We can serve God as we work, we can serve others as we work, and all those other things, they just tend to overlap. Now the third quality that I want to highlight this morning, that we read this morning, is the fact that Ruth is humble. Ruth showed her willingness to work, but she wasn't presumptuous about it. She didn't have an air of entitlement about it. She said to Naomi that she would gather leftover grain from whoever was kind enough to allow her to do so. And then when Boaz inquired about who she was, the foreman pointed out that she had asked if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She didn't just rock up assuming that she had the right to work and to, to work there. Nor does she just rock up and demand a handout. And then we see her humility is further displayed in her response to Boaz's kind offer for her to continue to work in his fields to continue to be under his care and his protection. She is grateful and thankful for his kindness. So Ruth is a woman of integrity. She wants to provide for Naomi and she takes the initiative to do so. She is willing to undertake the work that is required and is humble in her approach to her work and to others that are there working alongside her. Now, the first interaction between Ruth and Boaz brings us to the main theme of today's message. In verse 8 and 9, Boaz shows his great kindness to Ruth. He is taking her under his wing and he pretty much offers her full-time employment. And not only that, this full-time employment seems to come with training and other favourable conditions. He is offering her work for the remainder of the barley harvest and then later we learn that this extends on through into the wheat harvest. And of course this supplies for Naomi and Ruth's physical needs. This is exactly what they needed. God has given them protection and provision 
And this is a big turnaround from the desperate situation that we saw in chapter 1. So what is Boaz offering to Ruth? He's saying, stay here with us to gather grain. You do not need to go anywhere else. And that probably was quite a big relief to Ruth right at the start. You know, she didn't have to go from field to field hoping that she would find work. The very first place she came to, um, Boaz said, stay here and work here. Uh, He also um, instructed her to stay near the young woman working in the field. And this is like the training aspect. Learn from them the best part of the field to harvest from. So there was an aspect of training in there as well. And of course he offered her protection. The young men have not been told, well, sorry, have been told not to treat you roughly. And then we read later on that they've also been told not to give her a hard time. If you're thirsty, help yourself to water. So there was provision in amongst that as well. And then later he gave her food to eat at the meal break. So there was more provision. And this was um, kind, very much um, Boaz taking Ruth under his wing and providing for her and protecting her. So he's really taking care of Ruth here. And this means that her needs are supplied for and she is now under Boaz's protection. And in response to the words of Boaz, Ruth in her humbleness falls at his feet and she warmly thanks him. And then she asks Boaz a very pivotal question. And what this question does is it shows an understanding of her position in the grand scheme of things. And it also demonstrates the sheer generosity of what Boaz was offering her. And of course this question is one that we all need to ask when we humbly come before the Lord. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I am only a foreigner. Ruth, as a foreigner in Israel, knew that she could not expect any special treatment. But it wasn't just a case that she was foreign, she was also from Moab. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, the relationship between Israel and Moab was generally very strained and sometimes it was actually quite outright hostile. So it's no wonder that she is taken back um, by Boaz's kindness and his generosity. She wasn't expecting this. It's the same for us too. When we are outside of Christ, we too are foreigners. We are foreigners to God, we are separated from him and we are even described as enemies of God in scripture. Part of the salvation process is that we too are humbled and come to a point where we realise that without Christ we are lost. We are lost in our sin. But there's good news. God in his grace has rescued us and the natural response for us is in humbleness to acknowledge that there is nothing about us or there is nothing that we have done to deserve this special treatment from him. It's an acknowledgement and an understanding of who we are before God. And there's a couple of scriptures here that highlight that. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. So that just sort of highlights that we were strangers and foreigners to God. But now we're the exact opposite of that, aren't we? You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And then in Romans 5 verse 10, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And that's just incredible, isn't it? We, when we were separated from God, when we were outside of God's will, when we did not know who God was, we were his enemies. But while we were in that state, God did his work and he reconciled us through the death of his son. So what have I done to deserve such kindness is an appropriate question that we should ask God not only when we come to the point of salvation but throughout our entire Christian walk. And the other side of this question is that it highlights the generosity of what Boaz is offering to Ruth. She could not have been possibly expecting the favour that he was bestowing upon her and she certainly would not have found it anywhere else. We also need to understand and appreciate God's wonderful provision and protection given unto us. So we see that Ruth asks this question, what have I done to deserve such kindness? And the reply that Boaz gives to Ruth illustrates to us a very important truth of God. When we become a child of God, we come to dwell under his wings of refuge, under his wings of protection. And this is a very safe and a very secure place to dwell. Ruth has come under Boaz's wing wing of provision and protection, but he points out that ultimately she is under God's wings of refuge. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Now initially when we read this, there's a bit of a question of works versus grace going on here. And in an initial glance, Boaz's reply might bring the thought that it is solely because of Ruth's relationship and support of Naomi and working alongside that, her character, and it's through these things that she has earned Boaz's kindness. It's as if he's repaying the kindness that she has shown to Naomi. And, And when we look at it, You think, well, you look at this situation and you see how she has been faithfully at Naomi's side throughout all of that hardship. She's uh, left everything behind and she's come all the way back from Moab and settled amongst complete strangers. She was willing to pull her weight 
and to provide for Naomi and when she did come to Boaz's field she showed the right attitude and approach to being allowed to gather grain behind the harvesters. She's a good person who has done good things. So it looks like she has earned Boaz's favour and the favour of, of God. It's like she has been rewarded on the basis of her works and character. But as we know, that's, that doesn't quite stack up, does it? And that's not the full story. Yes, she did do these things and she did do these good works. But we see in verse 12 that Boaz reveals the real reason she has landed on her feet is because she has come under God's wings of refuge. God is the one who is really rewarding Ruth for her love to Naomi and he is doing this through Boaz. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. It's because she has already come to take refuge under God's wings that she is rewarded. Up to this point, we have seen God's hand at work through the whole situation. Because of Eli Malek's poor choice, his family ended up in Moab. And God used this to reveal himself to Ruth through her husband and through Naomi. God brought about the events so that Naomi and Ruth would return to Bethlehem. And it's by or it's at this stage that Ruth had already come to be under God's wings of refuge. She makes that statement, Your God will be my God. God had brought her to that point and we continue to see his hand at work. She goes to Bethlehem despite Naomi's best efforts to send her back to her own home. She arrives in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest and as it happened, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. God has brought her to this point because he is sovereign and because she has sought shelter under his wings of refuge. Living under God's wings is a recurring picture that occurs in the Old Testament. The picture here is one of a baby eagle that is coming to find shelter under the wings of the great eagle. It's a protection of a mother for her vulnerable child. And this is a common teaching uh, throughout the Old Testament. And I'll, I'll have a whole ton of scriptures up there later uh, where you can find uh, various um, verses that refer to this and sort of add to this picture. A scripture that comes to mind though is Psalm 57 verse 1. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. God has shown his mercy to Ruth because she has sought refuge under his wings. When we come to God, it is not because of who we are or what we've done. It's because of his grace and his working in us that we are able to come and to be under his wings of refuge. Ruth's character 
her love towards Naomi, her, her humility and her actions contribute to what took place. And her actions and her attitudes, they serve as an example to us and they should be a natural outworking on our part as well. Ultimately it is because Ruth is under God's wings of refuge that she has been shown mercy and that she has been rewarded. John Piper um, once quoted about Ruth chapter 2 and this is what he had to say about it. God is not an employer looking for employees. He is an eagle looking for people who will take refuge under his wings. He is looking for people who will leave father and mother and homeland or anything else that may hold us back from a life of love under the wings of Jesus. So let's come back to Naomi. In the closing part of the chapter, we read of the exchange between Naomi and Ruth after Ruth's return from working in Boaz's field. Ruth has worked all day and she returned home and she showed Naomi all that she had gathered. She also gave Naomi what was left over of the meal that Boaz had kindly given to her. And we see that Naomi has that light bulb moment that I spoke about earlier. She recognises that God has been in control throughout everything that has happened. God had now led them to this blessing. Despite all the hardship she had been through, God's provision and God's good plans are starting to come to light. This is, Lord's, this is the Lord's blessing and kindness, which has come through the blessings and the kindness of Boaz. And this is what she says to, Naomi, uh, to Ruth. May the Lord bless him, talking about Boaz, may the Lord bless him. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. In other versions, uh, the translation reads, and I think it's a little bit more accurate than, than what I read here this morning, it reads, he is showing kindness to the living and the dead. The living are, of course, Ruth and Naomi. So Boaz is showing kindness to them by supplying their physical needs and by taking Ruth under his wing. He is also showing kindness to the dead, which are Elimelech and Ruth's um, dead husband, by taking care of their widows. So they've passed on, but he's taken up the mountain to, mantle to take care of them. And Naomi's next statement about Boaz being a close relative and a family redeemer is a lead up uh, to what is going to happen next. Boaz will show further kindness to the dead by redeeming the family land and by continuing the family line by taking Ruth as his wife. And I think it is at this point that it really dawns Naomi on her that God does provide and that God does protect. The journey to this point was long and hard. However, it was God who stopped the famine. It was God that made sure Ruth remained faithfully beside Naomi. It was God that brought them home at the beginning of the harvest and it was God who led Ruth to happen upon the field of Boaz. 
and it was God who caused Boaz to bestow kindness upon Ruth and Naomi. God brought them to this point of blessing and mercy and it doesn't stop there. It will continue on into chapters 3 and 4. God brought them to be under his wings of refuge. Now, being under God's wings of refuge is not just a picture of mercy, but it is also a picture of security and safety. There is a permanent factor to this place of refuge. It's not just for a season. Nothing can take us away from there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now in a moment we're going to read Psalm 91. Um, But up there I think, yes, there's um, various references there uh, uh, throughout scripture. And they're about being under God's wings. And these add to the picture of God's protection, God's provision and God's blessing. And these are the things that we find from being under his wings. So I'm going to close and read one of these scriptures, Psalm 91. And I picked this scripture because it really gives us a full picture of what it means to live under God's wings of refuge. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are for armour and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, but he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honour them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we do indeed just, as we contemplate your word this morning, Lord, we're just so grateful and so thankful for your salvation. Lord, we just pray that, um, that Lord, we just recognise your grace in our lives. And Lord, we just thank you that we do come under your wings of refuge. We thank you that, Lord, we are 
in a place of protection, in a place where you provide. And Lord, we, as we've read in that scripture, Lord, you are there in times of trouble and that, Lord, you will deliver us and rescue us. So, Lord, we pray that when there are hard times, that, Lord, we will trust in you and we'll rely upon you and we will recognise that, Lord, we are under your wings of refuge. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.